Hi there, listener. I'm Nina, and you're listening to Bullshare's co-creation sessions, your resource for all things brand advocacy, current trends, and customer insights. At the co-creation sessions, we're keeping our finger on the pulse of consumer behavior and delivering those insights straight into your ears. So stay tuned for another great session. Hello and welcome to today's session, Lights, Camera, Real Action, how to put purpose and sustainability at the core of your brand. There's a lot to cover today because we're talking about three pillars and working out how they interact. Firstly, we're looking at sustainability. A sustainable brand is one that successfully integrates environmental, economic and social issues into business operations. And according to Forbes, more than 90% of CEOs agree that sustainability is fundamental to success. However, undercutting that stat, a stat that seems seriously positive, is consumer mistrust. Though so many CEOs state that sustainability is important, 59% of consumers are dubious about whether they're putting those words into action. And that's what we're discussing today, real action. Secondly, we're looking at purpose. Broadly speaking, purpose is the reason your brand exists beyond making money. It's your why, it's your mission, it's your passion. It could be sustainability, it could be mental health, or in the case of Bulb Share, it's democratising brands and empowering customers. In fact, 79% of consumers want brands to be switched on to social issues. Thirdly, we're looking at brand storytelling and branded content. How do you market your brand and tell your brand story? How do you let the world know about your purpose and your mission? Luckily, to help us work out how those concepts coalesce, we have three experts in this area to guide us through today's discussion. I'm so thrilled to be joined by all of you. Uh, firstly, we have Amy Anderson, the founder of Better World Entertainment and the Chief Operating Officer of Ecoflix. Amy, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hi everyone. So yes, I my background really is in um, consumer brand marketing and I ended up specialising in film and getting inside um, sort of real film publicity campaigns, working for, you know, big studios, working with, you know, kind of Disney, Sony, that kind of thing. And that's found me at Ecoflix, where we're dedicated to saving animals on the planet. It's a brand new streaming platform. So, um, and not for profits, which is really exciting. So it really encompasses everything we're talking about today. Yeah, so exciting. Um, and then next we have Paul Crew, the Chief Sustainability Officer and Executive Director of Anthesis Group and the ex-head of Sustainability Engineering, Energy and Environment at Sainsbury's. Paul, would you like to say hello? Yeah, hello. I'm thanks, Nina, Mark, and Amy. So yeah, so um, I have the privilege of of being actively engaged on the exec of the world's largest independent sustainability organisation called Anthesis Group. Um, we're across twenty three countries, and we have over one thousand dedicated, very passionate, very enthusiastic sustainability specialists that help organizations across the globe across every sector to really accelerate their impact and i'm also delighted that uh, we're also a b corporation too amazing thank you so much paul and last but certainly not least we have mark downs the founder of green-eyed monster films and creative director of the planet shine mark would you like to say a few words to introduce yourself as well yeah, thanks, Nina. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I founded Green Eyed Monster Films a few years ago, um, and we just kind of make content for brands and organizations that have sustainability and purpose at their heart. I'm also creative director at Planet Shine, which is a kind of agency that helps brands do exactly that. I'm also a tutor at Ad Green, which kind of tells everybody in the ad land landscape to be able to kind of lower their carbon emissions across all their kind of activities. So it's a, a big mix of stuff. So um, yeah, so thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. All very relevant today. Looking forward to it. So great to hear from you all. Um, before we get going, I'd like to introduce everyone to Bulb Share and explain a little bit about what we do and how we do it. If you've listened to one of these sessions before, you may well be familiar with this. As with every Bulb Share webinar, our discussion is informed by insights and content direct from our global customer communities. Bulbshare builds always on mobile research communities anywhere in the world and from any customer segment, which provides thousands of real-time insights, ideas, and content pieces every day, helping the brands and organizations we work with to be guided by the voices of their customers, to understand their daily lives, and ultimately create products, services, content, and campaigns that are more rooted in the interests of the real people they seek to serve. 
Okay, we have tons to cover today, so let's kick off. Um, firstly, let's examine the stats from the community on how they respond to this idea of brand purpose. Well, 84% of our Insight community say that a brand's reputation is improved by having a strong social purpose. So for your PR, your marketing, your reputation, purpose matters. So much so that 73% said adverts with a social purpose are more impactful and more likely to stick in their mind. In fact, a 137-year-old man from the community said that purposeful ads show that brands are helping in the best way they know possible, which makes it more desirable to purchase from them. But purpose also matters for your sales. 77% said they'd be more likely to shop with a brand that had a meaningful mission, with 71% saying that sustainability specifically could be a conversion driver for them at the point of purchase. And that lifetime consumer value is locked in too, because 77% say they feel more loyalty and more affinity to purposeful brands as opposed to ones that just simply sell products. Beyond profit, it's also the morally right thing to do, according to our community. 48% said having sustainability at the core of your brand is essential, with 32% saying it's preferable. The remaining percentage said they're worried about bandwagoning, but we'll talk about that later. In fact, 80% feel that brands have a right or a responsibility to talk about social causes compared to 20% who said it's not necessarily a brand's place. So, Paul, we've seen that there is a hunger for purposeful branded content from consumers. What would you say are the key reasons for being purposeful and sustainable as a brand? Yeah, we go back to basics. Um, so, as you mentioned, all organisations and brands really have key sustainability messages or stories that they absolutely need to bring to life. And that is whether that's connecting internal colleagues to the purpose and strategy, and also visualizing the preferred future state from an internal perspective, as well as from a consumer perspective. It's also really important about how we encourage stakeholders to share common goals. And again, that can be through helping people understand the role in achieving these objectives themselves too. There's no one size fits all here. There needs to be a, a common sense approach. And for me, um, storytelling is fundamentally important. We've all grown up when we were young children, I did specifically, and sitting there being, you know, having the pleasure of having stories told, um, whether it be fact or fiction, but it engaged, it engaged me to, to want to learn and do more. And so having, having a, a clear understanding of the journey and the messages that you want to convey has to respond to the challenges, to both the climate, the business, what society needs. And it really requires you to take people on your journey. And again, it's internal operatives and colleagues right the way through to those key stakeholders and consumers. And for me, that means that behavior-driven brands are fundamentally important to have very clear communication that drives positive change, prompts motivation for action, harnesses people's passion, and creates a sense of ownership. And for me, the urgency and the momentum of doing this is, is, is palpable. But the, the fundamental is absolutely zero greenwashing. We need to have really factual, surety of the claims that are being made um, by brands being open and honest. And my organization, I personally have the privilege of, of, of working with global brands across every conceivable sector. And it's vitally important that to, to gain trust, credibility, those key messages need to be concise, simple, clear, and almost do the eye class as a Romsal test it does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's something we'll keep coming back to today is the importance of authenticity in this because we have seen a lot of concerns in our community about uh, greenwashing and yeah, lack of uh, believing what brands are saying they're doing. So it's great to hear that from you. Um, and so you, you sort of touched on this about how branded content comes into this. Is it not enough just to have sustainably sourced products, manufacturing, packaging? Does your marketing need to reflect that sustainable mission too? Yeah, we're, we're not a marketing agency at all. We are a sustainability activator. So we truly help organizations um, of, of every conceivable type 
to understand the direction of travel that they wish to go on. Um, and that's from both a strategic, consumer, operational efficiency perspective. And then we help them to physically provide interventions and solutions to help them get there. That's what Anthesis does. And for me, you know, I've come from a retail background. So I spent many years in Tesco and many years in Sainsbury's um, and had the privilege of also being a buyer of frozen food globally, which meant focusing on both the product, but also the, the, the content and messaging on the packaging. The challenge that retailers and, and, and anybody manufacturing the product have is, is how do you compete with all the other key messaging on pack that needs to go on there from um, traffic like labeling systems, ingredients, marketing. But what we need to do is truly work together. And I mean, work together across the globe to, to have a clearer understanding of the messages that need to be represented so that consumers, you know, my wife, my daughters can understand and make decision points around choosing product A or choosing product B around true, clear, understandable sustainability, whether that be social or environmental credentials. And, and I, I have a personal view that, that says, you know, if we can have a defined understanding that's linked back to a true, clear storytelling aspect that doesn't necessarily always need to be on the pack, but having an accessibility for somebody that's very interested to be able to have, I call it the surface level of understanding of the quality, the quantity, the, 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 the kudos of that specific product in a brand's range, and then being able to go and find that a little bit more deeper by accessing storytelling, films, whatever that may be to that product to gain traction. And again, avoid total greenwashing. Absolutely. So it's, we've got such scarce packaging real estate. We've got to get that message across clearly and confidently straight away, but give them the opportunity that they can then find out more through other storytelling methods. Yeah. And we've got um, a slide on advertising emissions here. So I don't know if Amy or Mark or Paul, you'd like to talk us through this. Um, yeah, I, I can talk you through this a little bit. This, this comes from a study uh, by um, Purpose Disruptors, who are kind of um, an, in, an industry organization trying to kind of challenge briefs and change the brief and kind of understand the associated carbon footprint along with products. So it's not just kind of um, the manufacturer who's responsible, or it, maybe it should be. If, they're, if the, the, the life cycle of the product is their responsibility as well, but you can see from this, from 2019, that you can see 186 million tonnes of carbon um, get um, associated with the actual advertising of products across all the touch points that we see. Um, and that can add an extra 28% to the annual carbon footprint of every single person in the UK. So you're talking about if everybody's footprint is about 10 tonnes per annum, you know what I mean? That's a huge percentage. So advertising, marketing, branded content, all of these things have a huge um, responsibility to be able to communicate what the damage or what the carbon footprint of that product potentially is, what you need to do about it. So it comes back to education, um, education on the packaging, you know, so people can make informed choices, but also education in terms of what is carbon. You know, we hear a lot of these terms, you know, you know, net zero or carbon footprints or carbon emissions. And what does it mean? What does 1.5 mean? All of these things. And they're hugely important in order for us to kind of reach net zero by 2050, that people are educated to the extent that they can make informed choices. Um, and that's a huge problem. I think, you know, your, some of your opening slide stats there were all about like, I mean, what people think or what brands should be doing or what they'd like to see doing. Um, and that's interesting, but you know what I mean? I think, and, and, and I think that comes back to people saying, you know, I want to help. I, I don't want to be damaging the problem. I see how vital it is that we do something, but I don't know what to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lost to kind of make an informed choice and it has to come back to education. People just need to either inform themselves or find out through, you know, different, there's so many websites that are helping people, you know, chart their carbon footprint, but just an understanding of what carbon is 
um, is vitally important in order to reduce. And it affects everybody. It's not just this sector. It's across sectors. It, it, it affects people at work and at home. So the more they get informed, the better choices they can make. Okay. Yeah. Can I just jump in there, Mark, as well? Um, I couldn't agree any more around education. And when, I'm, when I think about education, I think about it at every level of an organisation or in society. And that's at the, the, the very earliest days of, of learning in school, at the very earliest opportunity, but also right the way through to the board, board level C-suites and everybody else in between. And, and from personal experience, um, both in Sainsbury's and, and actually supporting organisations, governments, even at the city level um, across the globe, when you can connect the understanding of impact from both a sustainability, environmental or social perspective, people suddenly grow wings and they, they fly higher and faster and quicker because they're connected and they understand. And, and carbon is a conundrum. And, and you're absolutely right. There are so many different myths and legends around what carbon really means. Um, and and you know, in our thesis, we you know we work with carbon literacy and we, we help education across curriculums in some countries, in the Spanish um, curriculum and in museums, and, and with actually with brands as well, to help understand also the important part that every individual can play in an organization's journey to being successful in achieving their goals um, in, in everything. But carbon is a, is a fundamentally important one in, in how we can communicate and how we can engage and use brand messaging and storytelling to convey that will help us gather momentum and scale and speed and help us all to achieve those net zero carbon strategies that countries are setting continuously. Absolutely. It's so interesting. I would have never known that this ad advertising had so many uh, carbon implications. And we're talking about education. And before I pass on to Mark to educate us a little bit about more on the specifics of uh, sustainable filmmaking, um, I thought I'd just share a few more stats from the community as a backdrop to this discussion. So we asked the community, do you really want brands to tell you stuff or just sell you stuff and be done with it? We saw that 47% said they want to be both inspired and sold to, with 28% saying they mainly want to be inspired and educated, and 20% said they just want to be sold to. So most consumers are happy to be educated by brands. Um, and when it comes to sustainability specifically, the community voted that companies are the most important stakeholders in changing the future for the better, other than the government. And yet they feel they're one of the stakeholders making the least amount of effort. Um, I don't know if you think that's fair or not. Um, so we've talked about why you should consider sustainability in your branding, but we want anyone to walk away from this discussion equipped with an understanding of the next steps they need to take to actually action these learnings. Um, so Mark, talk to me about how it all happens. I'd love to hear what tips you have for brands, businesses, agencies listening on how to make a sustainable film. Um, well, there look, there are many different types of film um, from a, a, you know, a feature film to TV adverts to content. So there's lots of different types. But again, it goes back to that basic thing about carbon and carbon emissions and how you reduce them. And until you kind of get a, a measurement of you know, where the spikes are in the carbon activity, it's very hard to understand how to reduce them. Um, like for instance, well, I think when I started out on this, if you had asked me, how do you green your shoot or how do you make an environmental friendly film set? I would have said, oh, you know, throw in a few recycling bins and make sure everybody brings their own water bottle and that's us done, okay? We're, we're, we're green now. And it turns out the disposal, the recycling or the plastic is this such a tiny percent of the process. You know what I mean? So I think measuring the carbon activity, you know, that data throws a light on the real spikes and where we need to be um, focusing on. And these four main activity areas, this slide comes from... Um, one of the slides that I teach through Ad Green, and this, you know, they've they've been measuring their their own carbon calculator, so we can see certain spikes. And I think anybody creating any kind of content needs to remember: number one, it's a huge privilege to be able to create and make stuff. You know, it's real; it's a real joy to be able to do that. But with that privilege comes a lot of power, 
the amount of eyeballs that see that work, touch points, out of home, TV, cinema, wherever those touch points, there's a huge power that goes with that privilege. So it's incumbent on us as the filmmakers and creators to push that message of sustainability and nudge consumers in the right direction. So these four main activity areas, anytime any conversation comes up in the filmmaking process with these involved is a red flag. And you need to kind of go check it and say, you know, right, that's a high carbon activity area. How do we reduce it? And I'll just go through them quickly and then I'll come back to some more tips. But, you know, transport, you know, we all know that flying is bad. You know what I mean, so no flying. Planes, automobiles, helicopters, boats. And it's not just for people. We move a lot of product around as well so we can film that. Spaces, and we're talking about non-filming spaces as well as filming spaces, accommodation in hotels, post-production spaces, everything, and all the energy that's needed to produce or to maintain those facilities. So if you are calling up a studio to book it for a shoot, the first question you ask is, are you powered by renewables, okay? And you start asking these questions, you have a checklist of always, and if 20 people a week call that studio and say, are you powered by renewables, that studio manager is going to call his boss and say, we're losing money hand over fist here. We need to go renewable. And that people power across the industry starts to help everybody make it easier over time. Materials, the amount of film sets or sets that get built for a television commercial that's shot for one day and then skipped because they're done with it is incredible. The amount of waste in our industry is huge. So things like set construction, paper, water, drives, catering, batteries, costume, everything in between that, all the materials. We need to be start talk, thinking about a life cycle of stuff, a circular economy. So if you are building something, can it be taken apart and repurposed? Is there a theater or a school nearby desperate for materials that it can be rehoused as opposed to skipping it? So everything is reduced, reduced, reduced. You're reducing your carbon footprint as much as possible. And then what you can't reduce, you dispose of responsibility. So it's either recycling, composting, or energy recovery. So they're the four main areas, and that kind of encompasses everything you need to do. But what happens often is the emissions get baked into the script, okay? So, you know, if you have a script that opens, we open on a coastal shot of the Seven Sisters, Gold Coast in Australia, suddenly, you know, everybody involved in making that film is kind of like, wow, we got to bend over backwards. We got to make sure we get that shot. And the emissions are baked into the script. So it's incumbent on the copywriter not to write that opening scene into the, into the script, you know what I mean? So you unbake, you take all the emissions out before you start. And that's how you kind of inspire people to kind of start doing it. So it's not just the producers, or the uh, production managers, it's incumbent on everybody to understand the education around carbon and start to reduce that. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a poor piece of content it just means sometimes those limitations can be a fountain of creativity so you can actually create more exciting work. And God knows there's enough poor animation and production going on out there to sell stuff. So maybe a few more limitations could inspire some more, um, more creativity. So they're the four main watch outs. Um, and, and I think just unbaking, taking those things out of the script to start with. You know, make sure each head of department or each department on the shoot understands their responsibility and applying kind of some knowledge to that in reducing the carbon. And then you can create content that actually um, not only kind of does it for the right reasons in, ter in terms of reducing your own carbon footprint, but also to use that as a kind of um, a leverage, as a sales tool. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're making content that's you know, environmentally friendly, you should be using that and shouting about that to attract talent into your organization and to you know, the business case for going green. You're gonna win more business if you are doing the right thing. So Mark, I think that, that's about it. Go on, sorry. Mark, I just have one thing, just one, just one food for thought. So we, are, we work with a number of um, large um, film production companies um, across the globe and one of the things that we're now getting greater engaged in and, and through our social sustainability division within Anthesis is also at the end of the filmmaking and it lands in consumers homes is then quantifying and measuring the social impact of delivering that message in that specific film or video clip and that's a, a an added value and also could be a very precious quantification of physically measuring the, the output in people's homes, in the way they do things, health and well-being is an example, 
and quantifying it and adding value back into the ROI. Absolutely, yeah. So it's it's not just how you make it; it's it, it's it's the message that goes on top of that to inspire people to to nudge them in the right um, direction in terms of their lifestyle and everything that goes with that. Absolutely, I was just about to ask something along those lines: is how you measure the purpose and the impact of these films? But Paul, it sounds like uh, you've got that covered. Thank you so much. Um, so. Next, let's discuss how authenticity comes into this. We've already touched upon greenwashing. Um, and our community were really split on whether they trusted brand sustainability. When asked if they believe brands care about the, their missions as much as they say they do, 43% said yes, 44% were unsure, and 13% said no. One of the naysayers said, a lot of companies jump on bandwagons and it gets annoying. I want to see proof and action, not just something on TV telling me they do it because I don't see it in real life. Donating money isn't really fixing the problem if they're continuing to do things that hurt the planet or society. Um, and a 52 year old male said, it's completely disingenuous and they only do it to sell their products. Amy, with these concerns of insincerity resounding amongst our community, how do you navigate sustainable storytelling without seeming inauthentic how do you get past that sort of concern of greenwashing yeah i think the, i think the big thing is knowing what your story is in the first place so for example with big um with big corporates let's be honest this is a huge journey that they're taking on and i think there has to be this sense of nobody's expecting them to get perfect immediately and i think if you start talking about um your green credentials front you know up front and center when that is not what your purpose is and that's not what you're about you're immediately it's just not going to land with consumers because consumers are smart and it's just not going to resonate so I think it's about finding out what your core purpose is first and foremost and like you said at the beginning sometimes you know and in the vast majority of cases I would imagine it's not the green story that is the real story. It might be mental health. It might be community. It might be. It's, and really what you do is you go back to the founders. So when you're talking about big, big, big consumer brands, the authentic story is why was this product created in the first place? What were these people trying to change? Because founders are entrepreneurs. They're pioneers. They're doing things differently. And that should be what your brand story is steeped in. Now, of course, when it comes to you know what we're doing and how we're doing things better, because the world's changing, we've got much more awareness about what our brands are doing to the planet. That's when you have to start looking at these things, you know, kind of as Paul and Mark were saying, really with awareness as to what we're doing and why we're doing it and being really clear about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean to say that you have to go out there and start, you know, banging, banging pots and pans and telling everybody this is what you're doing. If that is not at the core of your brand mission anyway, it's something we should all be doing is getting better at um, how we're, you know, what we're doing and what our purpose is as a business. But I think that's where when you start leading with that, as if this is what you've always done and that you're, you know, kind of the best or we're doing this, we're doing that. I think that's where it just doesn't land um, with consumers. It should be something that's just incorporated into um, into the business plan and should be taken seriously. And I think some brands maybe aren't taking it seriously or acting as quickly as they should be. Yeah. So you mentioned about choosing um, the right story to be one that has always been relevant to your brand. Do you have any advice on how to pick the story that is most effective for your brand or most powerful? Yeah, I think it's really just like I said, going back to, you know, kind of the why. I think that's what, you know, kind of Paul and, and Mark was saying earlier. It's that is this why? Why are we doing this? What what is our purpose? What are we trying to do? Do what what change are we trying to affect? And I think that can be harder with the big consumer brands because they are so huge. Um, you know, and sometimes the right hand doesn't talk to the left hand just because of the sheer size of the organization. And so much has changed. These brands have been around hundreds of years, some of them. And so there's this massive disconnect between what the founders had in, had envisaged. And I do think like as a marketing person, um, sometimes we can take things too seriously as marketeers and we're coming up with these big marketing ideas and what's clever and what can we do? And sometimes we're too clever for our own good. It's actually coming right back down to basics. And if you can't talk about your big advertising campaign in two seconds in the pub and it doesn't sound a bit, you know, kind of um, wacky and a bit, you know, kind of, 
you know, you're just being too clever, um, then it's not right. It's not authentic. So I think it's really coming back down, back down to basics and um, and being true to who you are as a brand and keeping it, keeping it simple. And I, have, I think the other thing is, and this is a very controversial thing to say again, I'm full of the controversy, but basically a lot of brands are still selling. And I noticed that that was, you know, kind of part of the stats we just want to be sold to as consumers. I actually don't, I don't think that consumers do want to be sold to. I hate being sold to. I hate being interrupted by adverts. I hate being my entertainment being interrupted. I find it really intrusive and it drives me mad. And I think sometimes as marketeers, we forget that um, we're consumers too. And we need to put our consumer hats on and take off the marketing hats for a second and think about it as to, you know, this is about brand likability. I think so much of what marketeers do is about brand awareness. And some of the biggest brands on the planet, everybody's heard of those brands. If you've not, where have you been living? You know, it's it's literally like they're everywhere. They're all over the place. And um, they've got a strong awareness, but it's about the likability. And that comes down to emotional connection with our customers. And emotional connection comes down to a shared um, commonality. What do they care about? What do we care about? And those are the people you're wanting to connect with. And sometimes that is not about talking about yourself. I mean, social media is another place that this comes into play because I think so many brands haven't got social media right yet. And the problem with that is because they're using it as a platform to sell. And that is not what social media is for. The the kind of the key is in the name social. It's a bit like if you're going to you know a bar and you're having a chat, if you always talk about yourself you're not going to have many friends at the bar left. It's about listening. It's about having a conversation and talking about things that other people care about. So sometimes it's not about all about the brand. It's about, you know, kind of what you care about and likewise with your customers. Yeah, we recently did a piece about advertising as well and consumer expectations of advertising. And we found that loads of consumers skip ads and one of the key takeouts we had from that was this quote from someone that said you need to stop interrupting something someone's enjoying and become something enjoyable um and mm -hmm. i think that was really clear in some of the stats we've been seeing from our community in this respect as well when they're saying that the ads that resound most with them and resonate sorry um are the ones that have an emotional effect on them rather than the ones that are just sell 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 um, so yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. And, and Amy, how how would you say um, brands can stand out? Because one thing we saw in the community as well was um, that they feel more and more brands are beginning this journey of putting purpose into their storytelling, into their ads, and so on. So what can you do when if you firstly do you think more and more brands are doing that? And secondly, if so, how can you stand out? Yeah, I definitely think brands are becoming much more aware of their purpose. They really are. Um, I think just as individuals, we are becoming much more aware of what we're doing. There's just a more awareness around. And I think that is obviously as we're in our you know day working day lives, we're kind of applying that to our roles. So I think um, I definitely think that more brands are moving in that direction. You can see it in the advertising, you can see it in the marketing. I do think that for brands to stand out um, and again, controversy alerts. Um, I think that a lot of big brands um, are scared of doing things differently, if I'm honest. Um, they, you know, it's again, because of their sheer size, sometimes being brave and doing things different um, is, you know, really putting their head above the parapet and it's, you know, it's it's not a comfortable place to be. Challenge your brands, find it much easier. They're more agile. They don't have the pressure of being market leader. And, you know, if you're a market leader, there's one way for you to go. If you're a challenger, you're constantly fighting to get your way up to the top and so that whole that um spirit that they have is much more entrepreneurial it's much more pioneering and so they're by their natural kind of um you know being they're much more entrepreneurial and risk-taking and I think the big brands really struggle to take risks so standing out you have to take a risk some brands that have done it really really well I mean one of my um, favorite examples and it's a bit of an old example now is with um KFC when they had a you know a, a shortage of chicken and it was a massive disaster for the brand and they very quickly changed their advertising to say FCK 
And that was hilarious. And they did it very quickly. And that shows the strength of a brand because they knew exactly who they were as a brand and they could do that quickly. Whereas another brand might have been horrified with that change. And oh my God, we can't do that. Are you crazy? Um, but they had a very strong leadership team. Clearly the chief marketing officer knew exactly what they were doing. And, um, and I just thought that was brilliant. So there's brands that can do things really well. Um, but again, KFC is much more of a challenger brand. So it's it shows that kind of dynamic. Similarly with Aldi and um, you know, kind of their Marks and, Sp Marks and Spencer standoff. And with the caterpillar cakes, Aldi's response was brilliant. It was absolutely hilarious with their free Cuthbert campaign. And again, they jump on it. They're not scared as to what the repercussions can be. They know their brand and they had the whole country laughing uh, with that campaign. So I think it's very much about being bold and doing things differently. And when it comes to purpose, as we've said in this whole um, chat is about storytelling. And from my perspective, it's using you know, films, films are so powerful. Stories are so powerful, but it's not about selling. It's about sharing an ethos. It's sharing um, that kind of, uh, that journey and bringing it to life to a captive audience. But if you're overselling, you don't have a captive audience. You've got backs turned to you. So, you know, for example, you know, we've got like, don't, don't look up that movie, like getting brands getting involved in films like that, taking a chance and getting involved in films like that, where they can get marketing assets, they can get behind the scenes, they can be part of the conversation. And it's not about their brand. It's not about product placement. It's not about selling. It's literally conversation, getting engaged in a conversation where there's lots of people all over the world passionately discussing, debating, and with all those additional marketing elements, whether you've got the premiere of the film, whether you've got film festivals, whether you've got the talent interviews, you know, all these components that go into marketing a film, um, the brand can have those elements too. So there's, I think there's kind of really interesting things that brands can do, but it's about stepping out of that comfort zone, doing things differently and not doing things that you've always done before. And that's tough, I think. Definitely. I think what you said about social media as well is so interesting and the fact it is social media. And if I think about all the brands I follow, and I definitely follow a lot, they might not be the ones I would necessarily um, shop with at this stage of my life, but I'm just interested in the content they put out. And I know that one day when I do come to buy a sofa or whatever it is, I will think of Snug Sofa, for instance, because I follow their social media simply because I find it funny. Um, so I might not be a consumer yet, but along the line. So it's about building those emotional connections with consumers rather than just seeing them as a sort of exploit, uh, a resource to exploit for, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. More two-way relationships, I suppose. Um, yeah. I, think and I think just just as a very quick example on that with Ecoflex, I mean, our social media is just off the charts. We had a post last week that's had over two and a half million views um, and we're not selling Ecoflex on social media. We're we're wanting to connect with consumers on topics that we really care passionately about animals, about the climate, sustainability. And so it's not us selling, you know, of course, it's our Ecoflix channel. So people know and we've got a little bit about what Ecoflix is. But for us, it's about the connections, the conversations. And it works when you do it right. It works. And um, so, yeah, it's exciting to see that. Yeah. And I think bringing it back to sustainability as well, I was having a conversation with Vincent Panzanella, who is the head of marketing for RB's intimate wellness division. We were talking about how you market to consumers and he was saying, forget different subsections of consumers, think about passion, think about what brings communities of consumers together over a joint love or passion or opinion. And I think that's sort of what we've hit upon here. Something like sustainability is a really powerful thing to bring people around. Um, and you mentioned don't look up and we've got a little clip from that as well, which I'll just share in a second. Here we go. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess. 
assess? Sit tight. And then assess. The sit tight part comes first. So you got to digest it. That's the assessment period. Yeah, I remember this one sparked a lot of conversation and everyone was talking about it on social media. So I think it's a great example of content and filmmaking that really carries um, a message. Yeah. And then, Amy, we had another one. Would you like to give some context to this one from Sky? Sky. Yes, the um, Sky Media. So it's their different um, ads. They've made ad breaks with purposeful content. So I'll just show some of the ads yeah, yeah. they've selected here. And now Sky Zero is proud to present our five footprint fund winners in a very special ad break. My dear, so I'm in a bloody mess. Man, it costs you too much to run. Servant problems. <laughs> no, you know, bloody mess down there. My dear, have you not tried these? They're 100% organic cotton, no synthetic fibres, dyes or fragrances. And I hear 5% goes to menstrual charities. And they're compostable, so the gardener can bury them in your rose bush. <coughs> uh, Brandy's in the smoking room. Flo, no more period dramas. I see cheese of green, red roses too. I see them blue, for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Okay, so there's yeah, there's plenty of examples there. Yeah, there's there's great examples of you know kind of using emotion. So humor is great as well. Like you know, it's it's um you know it's it's a really powerful emotion, and also just that poignant emotion at the end that we saw there as well. You're really captured into, you know um. Yeah, I think it's it's just much more powerful emotion. Like I said earlier, it's about emotional connections with audiences that really kind of moves people. And I mean, it's also about getting the right balance. You know, with Ecoflix, we're not about shocking. We're not about, um, you know, kind of beating people over the heads with, you know, the doom and gloom of it all. We're very much about inspiring. And I think that's a big thing with a lot of content, the inspirational nature. And sometimes you have to have the highs and the lows and then the high again at the end that there's hope that there's, you know, we want to rally everybody around to kind of engage them without them thinking, oh, God, you know, this is too big a challenge. I can't, you know, I can't face it. There's nothing I can do. Um, you know, it's very much about bringing people together and uniting people on a mission. And that's what you, how you create those communities. Um, so it's it's interesting. There's lots of brands that are doing it, that are doing it very well. Definitely. We've talked about virality a couple of times with our community and some of the things they say make them more likely to like or share content is if it makes them laugh or if it makes them cry. And I think those two ads could have potentially done that for anyone. Um, so we've already touched upon this a little bit in terms of the challenge of brands versus the, the really big leading corporations. So how do brands maintain purpose as they grow? Because our community feel that generally small brands have the run on big brands in this respect when it comes to purpose and sustainability. 74% think small brands are better storytellers than big brands. 86% think small brands have purpose more wholeheartedly at their core of operations. And 83% feel that big brands risk losing touch with their initial mission as they grow. Um, so a final thought for everyone today, um, how could big corporate brands maintain the purpose they had upon their genesis? And how do you avoid losing sight of your purpose as you grow? get more red tape, more employees, more revenue. I think we have a nice example from Cadbury's, but I'd just like to hear from everyone first if there's any ideas across the board. Should we go to the Cadbury's example? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to um, answer that. Maybe, Paul, I'm kind of interested because you speak to a lot of the, the you know, kind of C-suites of these organisations. Um, I completely agree with the community on that front as well. That's kind of my experience at smaller brands, like I said, are more nimble, um, they're braver, 
um, they're more pioneering just because of their very nature. They're still very probably quite close to their founding story. Um, so it does make it easier. But the example that I've got um, of a brand that's done this really well was Cadbury's. Um, so again, a very established, big organisation, but they went back to their Quaker roots. So that was how they were founded. They had um, they had all their employees were kind of housed and in a local community and they put all their employees' kids to schools. So it was very much about looking after one another. That was the whole ethos of Cadbury's, you know, kind of during their founding story. And they went back to those roots during COVID. Um, they'd had this huge success of you know, kind of um, the Phil Collins track with the, you know, gorilla playing the drums, but that hadn't, you know, they've said that that didn't actually, you know, kind of um, impact sales. Um, it was great and it was, you know, viral and it was amazing, but it didn't actually have the impact they needed it to have. So they went back to their roots and they donated their words off their Cadbury's dairy milk to Age UK. And, um, and it was a very, very successful um, campaign for them. So this is the ad, I think. We'll just share that. Have you got 225,000 older people often go a whole week without speaking to anyone. Cabria donating their words to help. 30p from every limited edition bar sold will go to Age UK and you can donate your words too. Search Donate Your Words. So, yeah, I think that's just a good example. And again, it's going back to, you know, I think there's actually there's a lot of brands that aren't good at talking about the great work they're doing, you know, in the third sector and working with charities and giving back. Loads of brands really give a lot back, but they just don't talk about it. And I think it's just something they're so busy focusing on selling product that they forget to kind of think, actually, consumers want to know more about what we're doing or go on a journey with us that's not always about selling the product. And it will impact sales anyway because if you like the brand you're going to buy from them and it's this long-term approach this like you know this emotional connection that you build with your brand with your customers and and I think that there's a lot more that brands could be doing talking about what they're already doing and sharing that and building campaigns around that purpose rather than always just pushing product all the time so I, I just think this was a really great example of a big brand doing it well I I I, I... I think it's great what they're doing and going back to that whole idea of going back to the roots and their brand purpose which is what they would have spoken about at the beginning but also i think more radically we need a kind of a shift away from this kind of um idea of a consumer and more of a kind of responsible citizen you know i mean consumerism is what's led to the kind of increase in emissions across the globe and is contributing to the kind of climate crisis so if you are going to have more responsible citizens you're going to have to have more responsible consumption and that means kind of not buying everything just because we can it's making more informed choices and it goes back to education about what has more or less carbon in it? Do I really need that stuff? And I think brands and business have a huge responsibility to help, you know, um, citizens to do that properly. So it shouldn't always be about growth and profit and GDP and everything that goes with that. And growing brands shouldn't be the kind of end goal. It should be what can we do for the community and how do we help here? That for me has to be the way we can only reach, you know, net zero if we're going to do it. Yeah, from my perspective, um, I've got a slightly different lens to the data that you shared, Nina, um, probably because we work with a significant number of those large global brands, as well as mid-cap emerging um, uh, brands which are coming through um, and becoming big brands on the journey. Um, and, you know, I see some fantastic um things happening in those organizations with the passion the hunger and the drive to want to to move further faster you know for me you know this is a personal thing for me you know i love amy's um language around you know when you're messaging from a brand perspective the likability what you stand for the meaningfulness um the emotional connectivity um but i also like don't interrupt me um, when I'm when I'm watching something or doing something I want to do, I think um, a lot of organisations can learn learn from that. And and yeah, I I I expect to see some transformational changes um, with the direction of travel from some of those very large brands. 
you know, I mentioned that Anthes is, is a big corporation and I'm very, very proud that we've walked the talk in sustainability because when you become a big corporation, you have to change your articles of association, the way you legally do business to focus on people, planet and profit in harmony. So what I'm very excited to watch this space for some large brands in the way they communicate in the future when they suddenly themselves become big corporations. Thank you so much. And, and Paul, do you find that the challenges when you're working with large brands compared to small brands are completely different? What, what would you say the comparison there is when it comes to sustainability and the challenges they face? Um, if I if I boil it down, there's obviously going to be idiosyncrasies between those type of organisations, but fundamentally, they're all the same, and that's around truly understanding the impact that they have within their organisation, within their own operations, within their consumer networks, within their product, and then breaking it down into every single aspect from both the social sustainability and the climate change sustainability metrics that they need to quantify and measure. So for me, uh, it, they are very, very aligned and regardless of the scale, there's different challenges in obviously a much larger scale business, but fundamentally, if you're on a journey to net zero carbon, you're all together. It's birds of a feather flocking together in one direction. Some might be flying higher than others, but ultimately they're all aiming in that one direction. Love that. That's brilliant. Such a nice uh, idea to finish on that harmony rather than competition. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. A big thank you to you, Mark, Amy and Paul, for your wonderful contributions and ideas and experiences. And a big thank you to the audience for tuning in too. It's been brilliant talking with you about purposeful, sustainable storytelling. Does anyone have any closing words in terms of contact information or how people can find out more about your organisations? So from my perspective, you just Google Anthesis Group um, and you're very interested in sustainability and, and driving your impact in both social. Just reach out. Be delighted to, to, to connect with you. Yeah, and for me, it's ecoflix.com and ecoflix official on all social platforms. And yeah, happy to speak with anyone and connect with anyone at all. And if any of uh, content creators want to learn more about the process of lowering their carbon footprint at Green, do free training sessions. So, you know, I mean, the two hour sessions once a week. So, there's a, a growing army of producers and production managers trying to get their head around that. And it comes back to education. And once you know why you're doing it, it's much easier to do. So, add Green. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining today. Have an amazing day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, but don't stop there. There is so much more coming from us. Remember to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and tell your friends too. And while you're at it, why not check out Bulbshare a little more? You can find us on social media, on bulbshare.com or on email at info at bulbshare.com. Stay tuned for more podcasts packed full of insights. Thank you.